Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And thanks so much for joining us once again right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Gerald Glassford, coming right back at you here for the State of Pro Wrestling for November 2022. We're getting into the thick of it. Turkey Day is almost upon us as we record this. Just looking forward to it. Another Survivor Series is around the corner. And who, pray tell, is here. He's not a turkey, though, however. But he's back. (laughs) He is here once again. A good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out all the shows that he's doing, including his most famous, the PVD cast at the PVDcast.com. It is, of course, John Orlando. And John, great to have you here. Always talking pro wrestling. The man I come to for all the pro wrestling knowledge out there. How you well, doing? it's great to be back, Gerald. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I have been looking forward all day. You know what? All week. Let's just say it that way to uh to sit down and chat with you it's always a it's always a good time always uh i always enjoy sharing uh my insights with you and with your listeners and and enjoy chatting with you when it comes to wrestling gerald so i'm excited for this edition absolutely and uh some of the things we'll cover of course uh what everything's going on in the major wrestling scene as far as pro wrestling plus also as well i wanted to go ahead and remember the retiring great muda and what he's done for the, this wonderful industry of ours as he is going to be retiring in the not-too-distant future. And we'll give you the idea when he's exactly going to have his last match coming up here later in the show. Plus also as well, we are recording this a day before the 25th anniversary of one of the most monumental moments in wrestling history. Let's just say in-ring history is probably... I would, you know, I know people talk about stuff that happened back in the day stuff that maybe happened in the future after this, but I think there is no more monumental moment in time more important than the 1997 Survivor Series. And we'll explain why my thoughts and also John's thoughts as well on how important it is to him and also how important it is to the world of pro wrestling since it's happened, all the events, all the stuff that's gone on behind the scenes, all the speculation hearsay and everything else therein we'll talk about that on the back end of the show but first my friend crown jewel has been just finished over the course of the past few days and i know everybody is just excited as far as what's coming up for survivor series of course roman reigns as to no surprise to anyone out there has retained the wwe championship over a very game logan paul who suffered a major and catastrophic knee injury during the course of the match, but I will give him credit. You know, I know the Paul brothers, we always rip on them, but you know, for their celebrity boxing and the stuff that they're doing on the side, and the fact that they're facing off against while well, one is facing off against uh, either beyond their prime fighters or UFC fighters in the ring. And then you have, Logan Paul, who's doing a tremendous job in the ring, but he's only wrestled three times. I will give him all the credit in the world. He did an amazing job. It's another effort by the WWE to bring in a non-wrestler like Bad Bunny, who has done an amazing job in the ring. People are talking about him as a Rookie of the Year candidate, which I'm not exactly thrilled about since he's only been around for three times. Like Braun Breaker is somewhere rocking around going, hey, that's my slot. So <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts, though, on Crown Jewel before we leave it totally in rearview mirror. Once again, Roman Reigns victorious, the Usos victorious. It's obviously setting up for them to be very dominant, although there's a match coming up right after this taping here later this week against the New Day to determine whether or not the Usos will extend their their longevity as far as champions are concerned. Plus the, well, surprising results in one way and not so surprising results in another for the women's division as far as damage control is concerned. I still think there's some issues there in regards to the whole women's division, but the, it seems like the company's not yet 100% buying in on damage control taking over all the way. Your thoughts as we leave mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia and the crown jewel. 
I don't get energized for it. I don't get excited for it where I get excited for Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble or Mania or SummerSlam, the big ones. To me, Crown Jewel is nothing more than another money in the bank pay-per-view or live performance enhanced event or whatever the heck the initials are, whatever they're calling them now. Premium live events, that's what they're calling them now. It I, is a glorified in-your-house show. It, it is. It is. I just, I don't get excited for them. No surprise that Logan Paul had a heck of a match with Roman Reigns. That, mm-hmm. that's, that, that did not surprise me in the least. It did surprise me that he got injured. And that is unfortunate because that's obviously putting that's him That's a on- catastrophic knee injury. I mean, he yeah, tore yeah. everything in that knee. Meniscus, ACL, and MCL. Absolutely. That's, that's a year, year and a half probably rehab, yeah. I would think. You know, I'm no doctor. I just play one on TV. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, I was surprised that they put the titles, uh, the women's tag team titles, back on uh, Sky and Dakota Kai. I was somewhat surprised by that. Um, it just seems to have no purpose. As much as I'm a big fan of Asuka, and you've already noted that to me, and I've noted that to the entire world out there, I just didn't think, you know, she was coming back off of a knee injury. This is her first match back, and they did win the titles last week on raw but you know if it was only to go ahead and just have a quick change back to the same team mm-hmm. for crown jewel it doesn't really make much sense it, it should have just stayed on damage control in the first place correct i agree i agree so i thought that was you know from what i read too bianca belair and bailey you know went all out and had a, a one heck of a match that was very uh very hard hitting very physical um because it was the last woman standing match uh, you know, overall, it sounded like Crown Jewel was par for the course of what we what we expected. But uh, the only thing is, a lot of people were leaning into Bailey winning uh, it so that you can have at least storyline wise, where damage control for at least a period of time controls, quote unquote, mm-hmm. all the championships except for Ronda Rousey's. Which again, I still don't have any idea why they have not merged the titles. Please, for the love of God. Just merge the titles. It just does not seem with, with all the stuff going on with damage control that seems so much more important than Ronda Rousey and whatever she's doing on Friday nights. Just please go ahead and merge the titles. Just just do it, please, for the love of God. Yeah, I I mean I see where you're going with that, Gerald. Obviously, my my question would be: Are they hesitant to do that to have all the titles on on damage control because it would be very reminiscent of what they're doing with the bloodline? Well, you wouldn't, but you wouldn't have it done for long. You can have short okay. periods of range. I mean, just just for a, a week, two weeks, even a month, just have them like on top because it's the hot group right now. And you usually want to go ahead with the momentum. I'm not a big fan of damage control. I thought Bailey's work with the ding dong back before she got injured and the stuff that she was doing with Sasha Banks was better than what she's doing now, but it's still good enough that is probably better than anything else in the women's division right now. I'm going to go ahead and make that clear. It's it, This is like, even if you're getting like three quarters Bailey heel, you're still getting a darn good heel. That's probably better than anything we see. Certainly better than Ronda Rousey's heel portrayal with Shayna Baszler and whatever they're doing, trying to break people's noses and all that stuff on Friday night that are actually already broken in Natalia. She needed a surgery anyways. So they just tried to do a storyline where they broke her nose, but I just don't find that compelling. I just don't find what's going on there compelling at all. I think just to go ahead and just at least for a month, just have everything go damage controls way would probably be the best way of going ahead storyline. Going, forward. I'd like to back up for a minute. And, and you said that damage control is the best thing going right now in, in the women's, women's division. division in the women's division. So, so and, and you know, look, they're good with, I, with the association I, of the new Nikki cross, which is the old Nikki cross from NXT. Right. Which I herald that, that okay. Nikki ASH was so terrible. I, I still, I still love the oh. fact that she did win the recently, the 24 seven title <laughs> was supposed to dump it in the trash. And she was literally right next to it. And she missed it. Just dropping in the trash. <laughs> and you heard the clank as it dropped on the floor and you saw Bailey's face go, Oh, she's just supposed to drop it in the trash. But Hey, it just, <laughs> I thought well, that was funny. If you yeah. actually catch that on Twitter, it's, it's really funny. 
So I'm going to throw this out there, and this is maybe a little bit off topic, but you have Mandy Rose, who has been down in NXT, who has been doing some very decent work down there. Very good work. Not decent, good work. A year champion. Right, and she's been a champion for a very long time. Why has she not been brought back to the main roster? Who knows? Maybe that's her choice as well. Maybe because she's flourishing in that role. Maybe it's because she doesn't want to become part of the mix or per se, because she saw what happened to Asuka because Asuka was a champion for three years, retired as the NXT title undefeated, then was doing the undefeated gimmick for a while. But now she is just a really, really good wrestler that's not given the push that I feel that she deserves. But that's another story altogether. But again, that maybe she just does not want to become part of the little fish in the big sea syndrome. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. she likes being the big fish, like the territories. Some wrestlers yeah, sure. chose their way out of a WCW or WWF at that time plot line to become a, when the territories were still somewhat relevant, a bigger fish in the territories, which was more important to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like, you know, if, it, if it's not up to Mandy Rose, if that is not her decision and they, they send her down, you should recall her because she is doing some fantastic work. But not, nevertheless, back to what we were talking about, you know, um, I think Crown Jewel, it was okay. Um, you know, I, like I said, did not watch it, but from everything, all indications that I have, from everything I've listened to and read and whatnot, it seemed like it was just an ordinary, average, run-of-the-mill pay-per-view, which I think that, let's be honest, going overseas, you all automatically get a bigger reaction because, you know, the WWE does not travel. You know, we've seen it all, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We, as American fans, have seen it all. We've seen it all, so it's we're maybe more callous more jaded that we have to see something more elaborate and the spectacle has to be bigger or whatnot and maybe these folks in in saudi arabia and other areas you know throughout the world when the wwe comes to town it's a big big it's huge where for us it's like well they're coming here to columbus in december okay well, does that make is, sense i mean it does does make sense but the thing is though with logan paul's injury and his very competitive and very uh, good a very i mean he's getting high praise you talk about being just an average show it might have been just an average show overall but that that performance by him in the main event made it a very very good very watchable very highly rated for the year main Mm -hmm. event as far as his performance even after he suffered the injury halfway through he still gutted his way out to go ahead and provide the fans out there and also the fans watching on screen, a good match. So I will give him a ton of credit and all the credit in the world. But what that does is that takes away another potential buying or selling that you, if you're WWE's a challenger that you want to sell to an audience, as far as an attraction is concerned, because he's now out, like you said, a year and a year and a half, at least now you've got a very limited number of individuals that can effectively give you a decent Back in the old days, they used to call it buy rate, but decent audience as far as someone who is believable enough to go ahead and, and think that, yes, we're going to go ahead and have this person be competitive or even possibly beat Roman Reigns at this point in time. Well, and it goes back to what we've said many times on this show. This is what happens when you don't build contenders, when you don't build up talent so that when a Logan Paul gets hurt, even though he and I and I agree with you, he did his fantastic job from everything that I heard. And look, from what I've seen with my own two eyes in his other two matches, he he's an athlete. He knows what to do. He's very, very good. He's picked it up very, very quickly. But now that he's gone, you're stuck with, well, we don't who's next? Who do we got? We don't have it's not like we have somebody else that can just step right on in. The one um, thing I want to ask you, though, is with the vignettes that have been very well done with the White Rabbit vignettes yeah. and the fact that he is the number one seller currently in the WWE shop as we speak, Bray Wyatt's name is now being tossed around once again as a top contender for the WWE title. And I'm assuming at some point in time, it's a question of when, not if, there will be a run for him as a top contender against, of course, Roman Reigns. I think Cody Rhodes is also an option once he gets back and well, but there's a limited amount. 
The Rock, of course, you know, I think that if they can go ahead and pull out whatever the millions and the millions, pardon the pun there, of what we will see as far as how much they'll pull out as far as him facing against Roman Reigns. I don't see a purpose of a title switch there. Okay, if they do it, it's just because Rock wants them to do it. But even if he wins, what purpose does that serve? Because he would have to give the title up the next day, which you know, could mean that there's a, you know, something that, that long-term planned as far as tournament is concerned, but uh, you know, a real contender to Roman Reigns, they're limited. Like you say, nobody thinks Drew McIntyre is going to win it. Nobody no. thinks Braun Strowman's going to win it. Nobody thinks that, that almost any of this, these other individuals on the roster, Bobby Lashley, even Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns has been done to death. And please do not, give me another one of those matches between those two because we've seen it all and I do not want to see anything else between those two. So at this point in time, there are limited choices. So it looks to me like Roman Reigns may be your champion for some time to come. Well, and, and you know what, one thing we talked about or we didn't talk about is Brock Lesnar, uh, Brock Lesnar's return where they're trying to angle him in as a heel, but no one's buying it. The fans no one are cares. No, yeah. yeah, they either don't care or they're not buying it. And I've, I've never liked Bobby Lashley as a babyface. I always liked Bobby Lashley as a heel. He's just got that swagger mm-hmm. and that attitude to pull off the cocky, arrogant, I'm better than you uh, character. And I've just never been a fan of, of Babyface. So I, I don't, I think this match would be more intriguing to me. That match would have been more intriguing to me if it was the other way around. If Lashley was the heel, Lesnar was the face, and they didn't just brought it that way as the storyline goes, I think that would have, that would have made me more interested than the way it's set up now with Lesnar trying to be shoehorned into being a Babyface. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get you back into the boardroom or, you know, at the head of the table. (laughs) <laughs> using the pun there in regards to the bloodline is concerned and the bloodline storyline is in and of itself. It has been good, you know, with uh, Solo Sokoa, uh, Sami Zayn, the Usos. Uh, I love the fact that you can just see a Sami Zayn getting destroyed by the bloodline at some point in time when they're done with him storyline coming up at some point in time. You can see it's coming. It's not just a matter of if it's a matter of when, mm-hmm. of course, Paul Heyman, sitting at the head of the table with Roman Reigns. Obviously, it's been great. It's a great component for them. I think that's something that I have liked, is the fact that they've stuck with a champion. Roman Reigns finally embraced his his the character that we wanted him to for years. We thought it was a little bit too late, but it's still been, uh, you know, the fact that he's done it, it's still been good for the, for the WWE. The ratings have not been terrible with him doing it. The ratings have actually been pretty solid. So I think that a lot of credit goes to WWE starting off with Vince McMahon, who is supposedly no longer in everyday plans for the, as far as creative is concerned and leaving it now to Hunter and Steph to go ahead and program things out. I do like a lot of the changes that, that triple H has made as far as for the better bringing Mm -hmm. people, bringing wrestlers back that I think it deserve another chance creating new storylines, which are a little bit more interesting than what's done before not giving pushes to individuals that are not ready for it. And that to me has been uh, pretty good as Austin theory is, I think really talented and has a bright future, but he is not MJF. So let's not try to go ahead and try to make him an MJF. And I'm glad that they have not tried to go ahead and give him the mega push uh, because I just don't think he's got it quite yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, not yet. I said he could, but he, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not, not there yet, but there, you know, again, other individuals out there that they, that were given a push that shouldn't or deserve it or didn't deserve it. Your thoughts on where the, the WWE is going and your thoughts on what you can do now that you're sitting at the head of the table in the boardroom, where would you like to see the WWE go next? Well, I agree 
with what many people have said that I think that the overall product has gotten better since Triple H is in charge. I think it's gotten a little better overall. I, I do. I think so. I think that, you know, bringing back those people like Karrion Cross, like Gargano. Um, but it's I, also I, the match quality and just the, no, the, yeah, some, of, yeah. some of the skits have been taken out that are really, you know, there's some a little there that are, that are unnecessary, but a lot of some of the stuff that was there is filler that mm-hmm. were horrible parts of the product those a lot of those have been taken out yeah and i i think the two things again that i would like to see the wwe change or i would change is number one is again build new stars you have mm-hmm. to find a way to build new stars and i i think that a lot of these mid-card storylines could be better because in my mind, the way that I see booking is that if you have two individuals in a mid-card program, just you know, just as an example, you had to beat as a heel, you had to beat Coco Beware back in the day in order to get a shot at the Intercontinental title. Like that was he was the test run. If you could have a run, you could work a month or so with Coco Beware, get a great reaction, then you were probably going to get the IC title. That's what they did with Rude, that's what they did with Perfect. So I think that that's what you need. You need some way to build off of those mid-card feuds so you can elevate, all right, to the next to the next level. You know, whether you use a Bobby Roode and a Dolph Ziggler in a tag team format to get, you know, to hit row over, for an example. That's what you're going to kind of have to do. You're going to have to start building these folks, using mid-card storylines to help boost in uh, those individuals' profiles and whatnot. And I think that's that's the two biggest things in my book that if I were in charge of WWE, that I would be actively trying to find a way to fix. Build new stars, use that uh, undercard to the best of my ability to make new stars. There you go. The thing is, though, stop having them lose to already established stars that we don't care about anymore, like The Miz, Happy mm-hmm. Corbin. Those guys, you know... If you want them around for TV, especially with The Miz, that's one thing to do interviews or to get beaten up, et cetera, et cetera. But really, those guys have lost credibility some time ago. Do not have them beating the Johnny Garganos, the uh, the the individuals that have all brought been brought up from NXT. Don't have them beat those guys because that just rubs a lot of tarnish off of them. And we've seen a little bit of that. And that those those habits got to die before we go ahead and you know you get me fully bought in on the hunter regime Mm -hmm. agreed agreed and and, you know i think that you know like for an example as i said i'm not really sold on hit row but maybe they need some more work and maybe if they work with an experienced team like ziggler root or or anyone else you know there's just nobody right now in the wwf wwe slots right now that i see that's like like you said has that something has that little something yet that i can see that you know that spark that's that's not established all these new stars that have come in all these new wrestlers have come from either from uh, you know back they've returned or they've come from the nxt none of them have that je ne sais quoi as of yet now can they get that we'll see but just nobody right now on the roster seems to have that little spark that I think that you and I would seek early on that says, you know what, maybe we should go ahead and give them a chance. But that doesn't mean that w- that won't change. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about, though. Any last thoughts on the WWE before we head on out? No. I th- like I said, I feel like WWE is a- a- going in the right direction for once. Yeah, the numbers say they are. Time. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's good. I think we're going to see continued improvement in the product. And, and hopefully they won't have any more setbacks with injuries or whatnot, as evident this past weekend with Logan Paul. That obviously, I think probably, as you alluded to, probably screws up the plans for what they had laid out. The only thing, though, when it comes to WAB, I think the long-term future relies on Peacock. Forget about the USA and forget about Fox and forget about SmackDown or Raw. We all know that they're going to do their two to three million or one and a half to three million each and every time out. The thing is, Peacock. Peacock has been, you know, as I've talked about on the show, a laughing stock in the streaming industry for quite some time. And if it ever writes the ship far enough to where it can get 40, 50, 
60 million paid subscribers. I'm not talking about the free subscribers. I'm talking about the paid subscribers where it gets into that conversation as being a top five, not talking about top one or top three, top five streaming service. It can ever get into that conversation. I think that that really will just boost the WWE Mm -hmm. product just by association, just by having them on there as one of their main viewable content products that they have on on Peacock. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, we'll see, my friend, but uh, WWE is looking in the right direction. Heading into 2023, I think both you and I will agree that 2023 is going to be hopefully a good year for the WWE, but heading into it, 2022 was a pretty good year as far as after all the controversy and all the dust has settled. Twenty, The end of 2022 has been pretty good for WWE, and things are looking on the upswing as they head into 2023. Agreed wholeheartedly. So, my friend, there's another little company I want to talk about before we head <laughs> on to the uh, nostalgia part of the show, and that's AEW. And, uh, you know, the things that we've said as far as the praise that we've had at times for AEW, and, you know, obviously we've had the fallout and seen the fallout from the CM Punk era as far as them, you know, behind the scenes, the fight behind the scenes between CM Punk and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And we've seen the fallout from that. We've seen John Moxley rise again as the champion. We've also seen what's finally you and I have been asking for for like eons now, and that is a rise to the number one contendership for MJF. And it looks like by all appearances at AEW's full gear, if you hear this before or after, it looks very much like that MJF will be taking the title. I, I would lay heavy odds on MJF, or at least MJF should be getting the title finally at full gear because you already see the fact that he's got a lot of momentum. The crowd is eating out of the palm of his hands, and the fact that he has just got so much, dare I say it, generational talent that you know <laughs> he, is, he is actually exuding each and every time out on his promos that I think it's just a matter of if, not when, he gets the title. Uh, when, not if, he gets the title. I just think at this point in time, he's just it's a natural that the company should lean on him. He's actually already got built-in challengers if he does win the title. First off, you got to go ahead and start him on a program with Wardlow so you can reignite Wardlow, who has faded since his you know feud with MJF. His, even though he's had the TNT title, that really hasn't done a lot for him since... He had his run with MJF and beat him handily on that single occasion. Your thoughts on this, my friend, because I think that AEW with the the loss of CM Punk now, I guess they're going to parted for good. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega look to be on the horizon coming back at some point in time off their extended hiatus after the results of what happened with that brawl behind the scenes. I thought that was handled poorly by all sides, including by AEW themselves. They let go CM Punk for all the problems that they have with CM Punk. The guy was a draw for them. I thought that was a boneheaded move to let him go and and not come to some type of agreement that they could all work out. I just thought it was just a bonehead move by all parties concerned, both behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. But it looks like eventually that the smart money is now going to have MJF taking advantage. But I'm worried about this MJ, M, MJF. Uh, oh, you think run. they'll blow it? You think they'll blow? It? Well, I think that they're. I think they're going to screw it up because of this. Is I feel like they're trying to push MJF as a babyface, and I. It's not going to work. It's, he's a baby. I, yeah, it's a rock. He's a rock babyface, meaning he's a heel. He's going to stay a heel. He should stay a heel, but he's a babyface no matter what he does. Just from from what I saw the last time that I watched Dynamite, you know, they had The Firm, which I hate the fact that MJF has this entourage, which is weird because I don't know about you, Gerald, but I've only seen Stokely Hathaway. I haven't seen any of the other Firm wrestle well, or on TV. Well, he supposedly fired and they and they backstabbed him, you know, and they, and they beat him to a pulp. I didn't know what that is about in the first place. They just got him that that opportunity with the, you know, with the chip. And I think you should have reformed Pinnacle. I thought the Sean Spears and the, you know, some other guys that you want to add in there that are a higher line as far as 
more thought of as far as maybe Morrissey is, is somebody that you could go ahead and buy into being a, a better heel than most of them. But I just thought that's guilt by association and that wasn't a very good association for MJF. No, I agree. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Action Figure Adventure is back with Season 2, and we're going further than ever before, checking out more toy stores than ever before, and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about holy grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure Season 2, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Jinx TV Canada. In my mind, I'm thinking they're going to try to force this babyface turn that I just feel like is not going to work. I, I think that he, he, is pro- he is probably winning the title. At, I, I think that that is accurate. He is going to win the title from John Moxley. But... To me, what I worry about is they're screwing up the character, I feel, by trying to make him a babyface, by allowing him to interact in a positive way with the, with the crowd. And, and all of that other stuff, I think, is going to destroy MJF after winning this title. And winning the title should be your pinnacle moment, to use a, to use a word that we just used, pinnacle. It should be the top of your particular career at that point that you won the title but I feel like he wins the title and then he's going to be overshadowed by this stupid idea to turn him babyface. Well, I will say again, I think that you, I agree with you. Do not turn him a babyface. I, I really don't want it to, especially like you, like we said about after the turn that was done by, by the firm against MJF, just let MJF be MJF. Let him yeah. be this super heel, the devil, whatever he wants to call himself. Because he's getting over, like I said, it's the Rock. Doesn't it didn't matter in the Rock as far as late nineties, early two thousands. Didn't matter if he was a heel or a face. Didn't matter because he was so over with the crowd that literally they were they were just loving him any which way. Even with the early Steve Austin run when he was Stone Cold, when he first started with Stone Cold, they didn't care that he was a heel and he was beating up Savio Vega and beating up Bret Hart and all that. They absolutely loved everything he did. So just let him do that. But don't turn him into a face where he's going to have to be giving people high fives and stuff like that. That spoils his character, and that's a wrong move to make. And I would think that he's a smart enough guy not to let that happen. But unfortunately, I feel like, as evident by the CM Punk situation and the brawl backstage and everything, it it appears that some people whoever that may be, but there are some people in the front office that are very manipulative and very well probably could weasel MJF into this stupid classic babyface role instead of, as you said, having him be the kind of edgy babyface rather than your squeaky clean goody two-shoes uh, babyface, which you mentioned CM Punk. First of all, this this should have been hammered out a long time ago. Because it's all been reported that this complaint, this this concern that Punk had was addressed multiple times, all right, or tried to be addressed multiple times. Mm-hmm. I think that, as you mentioned, AEW's handled this poorly. They've, how you let CM Punk go, first of all, how you let it get to this situation is beyond me. All right? I'm not but, condoning anyone's actions, by the way. I'm just no, saying from a business no. perspective, you should have gotten all of in a, in a room and hashed it out. And well, instead you've handled it as far as, okay, we're going to permanently banish a guy who's our champion and a major draw in several arenas, especially the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. And you've basically just, and part as far as drawing an audience, drawing a buy rate, drawing, you know, that's a familiar face to the Warner brothers executives, just somebody that's a face that you can promote getting rid of him because you think he's too much of a problem or as far as his mouthing out, that's who he is. That's yeah. who he is. Yes. You, you knew what you were getting yourself into. That's who he is and understand that, but you don't let him go right now when you're on the cusp of being a million of viewers every week. Cause Jericho is ROH champion. Say what you want. He is no longer getting you what you need to get. I mean, he's just there. He he's, it's nice what he's doing. He can re- rekindle some of that magic every now and then, but 
he can't, he's no longer that that individual who can give you a top top match and a top face anymore of of your industry of your of your promotion. CM Punk still can when he comes back from his injury, and I just I just thought it was a mistake, and and I think that AEW is going to probably regret it if MJF goes to the WWE. Well, I think they're going to regret it, maybe possibly, because let's just be honest. I mean, if they don't work out an agreement for the money that they owe Punk, you don't think that there couldn't be a lawsuit? You know, hey, you created this environment of a hostile work environment. You know, guys barged into my locker room yelling, screaming. That's a hostile type of environment. I mean, I think he could cause some major problems. And then you end up More so outside of the ring than inside the ring. And then you end up bringing him back because by the time you hear this, most for most of you out there, the the Young Bucks will be back wrestling because they've already, already been hinted on television. They've already been doing some promotional work for AEW. And then you've got, I'm sure, I'm sure you've got Kenny Omega coming soon thereafter. So, you know, uh, but uh, I th- I think Gerald, I think if I remember correctly, I think they're back behind the be- behind the curtain. I think oh yeah, the- uh, well they've been doing the vignettes and things of that nature, and I know that uh, they were doing some promotional work this past weekend for AEW. Uh, so uh, I I just it's they're a done deal. They're back. They're working for AEW. But again, I just I just thought these are some of your top names, your top grossing names, despite what the fact that Jim Cornette says about the Young Bucks. They are a, a known name from their work with AEW. They are a team that, whether or not they're faces or heels, they're over with the crowd to an extent. And I just think that, you know, them, Kenny Omega, who is an over individual, and CM Punk, why you do not have these individuals out in front every week, why you, you couldn't do what you can to keep those individuals out in front of your television each and every week, was just a blown deal. And, you know, I know uh, Khan has uh, a lot of stuff on his plate, but you got to understand these are, this is your future of your company. And these guys right here, especially with CM Punk for the next two or three years could have been the, one of the biggest faces of your company. And to just let him go like that. And so unceremoniously, I understand the problems they're in, but, it just seems to me like a blown opportunity. Uh, I agree. Whole and I'm not even a big CM Punk fan, but I see the the great matches he's actually done with AEW. And I've seen actually the great angles and interviews he's done with AEW. And as an individual who sees the industry, what it, what it is, you just don't leave or let these guys go if you if they're in your promotion. It just seems stupid. I understand he probably won't go to WWE for obvious reasons, but still, it just... Well, it seems like to me a very big mistake. Well, yeah. And one thing I think that I've mentioned many times before, the success of AEW relies on that crossover appeal. It, it re- relies on, because that's what I said, when they let Cody go, while well, he was on the, on those couple of shows on TBS, that's getting more, more faces to pay attention. You know, because you don't know. People, people love reality TV. You mean to tell me that they wouldn't watch the Cody Rhodes reality show if they just happen to flip it on one day and then maybe like it and start going? AEW needs that. They need that. The WWE has Logan Paul. The WWE has Pat McAfee, Bad Bunny. They have all these other celebrities that are getting their product out there because Logan Paul's promoting it and whatnot. They haven't had that. They haven't had that. They need that. Every wrestling company needs that. That that's just that's how it is nowadays. You need that crossover appeal, and if you don't have it, you're going to struggle. Yeah, we'll see, my friend. But I, I, right now, AEW. I mean, just based off the fact that if they're doing pretty good numbers, regardless, as far as still around a million viewers for Dynamite, uh, you know, the Friday night numbers are going back and forth. They did actually pretty good this past week with Mike Tyson appearing on the show. So we'll see as far as. Being able to extend this, I really think that again, it all relies on what you're going to do with MJF, and, and the, hopefully they won't blow it. I'm, I'm seriously hoping they won't blow it because if they blow it again with MJF when they should have already made him champion before, mm-hmm. it, it you know that would just irritate me no one no end, and probably would just signal the fact that he would just be going to WWE in a matter of you know when his contract comes up. Agreed, 100. percent Well, my friend. 
you know, AEW is, is still is what it is. But any last thoughts on AEW before we hit the nostalgia time or anything else you want to talk about before we head on out? You know what? No, I think I think that's it. I mean, you know, I think we've run down everything in regards to the WWE and AEW. So I, I'm looking forward to this trip down memory lane. Okay. I really am. All right. Uh, one last thing, though, I do want to mention with, with AEW and that the tag team part of it as far as FTR and the uh, the women's part of it as far as uh, Thunder Rosa. I think Thunder Rosa was out two extended period of time. I know you like the interim AEW women's champion. I think that she's been with her back issue so severe. I think that they should have just, again, just made the AEW women's champ out of this and then just continued from there and just have Thunder Rosa come whenever she comes back contend for the title. I think both of those divisions are growing. I think those, both those divisions are good. I think FDR, I think they need to go ahead and do what they need to do to keep them happy because they are the one, next ones to be rumored to go ahead and, and heading over to WWE and try to try and avoid that. I would do everything possible to try and go ahead and keep them we're happy with AEW, and that's just my opinion. I'm not a big fan of FDRs, but they are. They have since they've left the WWE garnered a following because of their old school tag team uh, love, I guess, for the way pro wrestling used to be in their eyes. I think that a lot of fans, old turn, old time fans, really like and support FDR, and I think just on that basis, it might be wise to do what you can to keep them around as best as possible. Which probably means they need to win the AEW tag team titles. I'm yeah. just yeah. well, right <laughs> I now I think I yeah. think yeah, but I, I understand who has the the AEW titles right now are really hot. They've got the scissor yeah. gimmick and and oh. they've got you know Billy Scissor Gun. Can't say badass anymore. Scissor Gun right there for you. So I think that <laughs> you know this is a, they're a team that that's really good uh, as far as entertainment wise. There are a couple of young kids who I think can win the title again. And and if they lose the titles, won't be too hurt by doing so. I think because of the fact that they're so over with the crowd, with the scissor gimmick and all that, I really think that, you know, FTR right now is the, the team you want to go ahead and accommodate now and have this team set up for the future as your future going forward. Who would have thought like five or six years ago that we would be talking in 2022 and that Billy Gunn would be over as he, he's just, he's monumentally over. I mean, I never, I never would have thought that a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's just so funny that that happened, but the acclaimed, I mean, they've done a good job. I mean, yes. if you looked at them on the surface, they look like, you know, as MJF would say mid, but they have done so much to go ahead and just project themselves out with the scissors gimmick and all that. As, as, as I say that it's just something that they could be a very strong team going forward in the future. But I think if you should go ahead and do what's necessary now and put the titles on a, a team that you really should bank on going forward for right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. All right, my friend, definitely looking forward to hearing your thoughts next month on the world of pro wrestling where we'll go ahead into detail on some awards because it'll be December the 20 year 2022 is over i thought i would hit you up with that after we go off the year but i thought i'll just surprise you now okay so i'll be, the, I'll be it, down for that sure. it'll be the state of pro wrestling as far as the awards that we'll go ahead and give out on our next episode but before we head on out my friend it's nostalgia time we're going to go with the good and the bad Okay. And, uh, even in the bads case, there's been a legacy that has been left behind that actually turned out to be good for the industry as a whole. 
We'll start with the good first, and that is the impending retirement of one of the great stalwarts of Japanese wrestling and also as well of, of wrestling in the 80s, late 80s and early 90s, and that's the great Muda, Kieji Muto, who was such a stalwart for wrestling in Japan for decades and, again, you know, had one of the greatest uh, heel runs as far as of the like in the late 80s that he did with WCW before they you know, unfortunately ruined it for him and showed us how they how well they booked and I think that I think if anybody wants to go why uh, as far as what happened to WCW you can just go ahead as far as look at that as far as how they booked the great Muda and just realize that they were just destined to to blow it as a company anyways but your thoughts on this, my friend. His last match will be January 22nd at Yokohama Arena. It'll be the final match of his career, supposedly. And we always say that when it comes to retirement, <laughs> supposedly, because you know how these wrestlers are. But your thoughts on the legacy of the great Muda before we head on to Survivor Series. He was the coolest heel at the time that he came in yep. 89 and 90. He was so cool. The handspring elbow blew me away. You know, I was at, well, when he showed up, I was 15 years old, but still I had never seen anything like that. Which one? Uh, WCW was he, were you there for him in Florida when he was the white ninja or when he was in world-class championship wrestling just before his WCW? I remember him in WCCW and world-class. I do remember him in Florida. I, I knew from the after mags that he was there in Florida, but uh, never really watched any of any of the Florida stuff, but I do remember him in WCCW. I liked him because also I liked the great Kabuki. I thought the great Kabuki was an incredibly bizarre character, but I dug him. And so the fact, and in fact, I think even for the first, they build him as so, a nephew. I think. Yeah. They build him as a relative. I was going to say, yeah. So I, I was on board with it. Yeah, Muda's just—he was just awesome. That's all there is to say. I mean, uh, innovative beyond belief. He was—I <laughs> mean, I think thanks to Twitter, everybody now knows how cool he was. That he ended up spraying the mist at Halloween Havoc to put the fire out on the cage. So, I mean, what more can you say about Muda? It will be a sad day, I suppose, or a bittersweet day, maybe for many fans. When he hangs up the tights, his uh, knees or... will hang. It will thank him. That's for sure. His knees will definitely <laughs> thank him. Yes, yes. He'll hang up those tights or karate pants, whichever prefer, whichever he prefers, and uh, move on down the road. Absolutely, I really think that uh, you know his legacy will be felt every time someone does a moonsault. No, he did he and I guess I don't think he invented the moonsault because I think it was being done beforehand or right around that time. But he really popularized it. So now we're, you know, when you hear these old timers or somebody saying just, oh, I'm sick and tired of these guys moonsaulting around, moonsault, moonsault, because that's the only move, the aerial move that they know. They can't say tope or plancha or anything like that. They say moonsault, moonsault to categorize an aerial wrestler. It dates back to him and the popularity uh, that he did because he was out there on all those squash matches on every Saturday doing it in front of people and no one else was doing it at the time. So definitely uh, the fact that again it was it was a great heel run that was blown by WCW that should have been something much more he should have gotten a world title run in my opinion i think with Gary Hart right there mm. somewhere in 89 or 90 or something like that he was horribly misused in that terrible starcade on that point system where he got zero points i can't believe that you went ahead and he was going uh, he was undefeated he goes to a zero it just it's so stupid how they they constructed that but again he went back, he made himself to be one of the top wrestlers for decades in Japan, and I think that it just bows to his great career that we're going to go ahead and and remember him uh, you know, next year, early next year in this last match. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. He's made some appearances on AEW in the past, uh, uh, in recent weeks, so hopefully we will go ahead and get a chance to see him once again before he heads out into retirement, quote-unquote. But before we end on out, my friend, one last thing I want to touch on is this is the on the on the eve of the 25th anniversary of the most controversial finish. I understand there's controversial finishes. There's, uh, you know, shoots and all that things of that nature over the course of the, the decades and the century over century now of professional wrestling that's been on tap. 
and controversial finishes and whatnot. We can go back to what, uh, you know, back to the spider lady, uh, you know, oh, yeah. That, yeah. As far as that was a, and that Wendy was a Richter. Yeah. And Wendy Richter as far as a work shoot or shoot work or however you want to phrase it, or go back to the uh, 1930s and 1940s matches as far as that's concerned. But, the 1997 Survivor Series with uh, the Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart Survivor Series match that ended up with a, uh, I guess, a submission, quote unquote, as far as Bret Hart being caught in his own sharpshooter by Shawn Michaels for literally a half second before Earl Hebner called the bell and literally ran out of the place and got into a car and drove away. And over the past few days, I've heard people and seen people remember this very, fo- very fondly. It was a very dark time in the industry, I can say that, but out of it came a very uh, great character, an evil character, which was, you know, Vince McMahon saw this. He he knew he was not going to look like the good guy in any of the situations that he was going to present himself in. So he embraced it and had a really just already waiting in the wings face slash heel slash face in Steve Austin right there to to be his foil and to work off each other. And of course it, it revolutionized the industry ever since. Yes, I agree. I think it's one of those monumental moments in professional wrestling history. Is it the I most mean, monumental in ring? I think it is. I, you know what? I'm going to say this. I'm going to disagree. I think Hogan's turn in joining the NWO was the biggest. And the reason why I say that Gerald is because even my stepfather who does not watch wrestling at all, was flabbergasted by it. He was absolutely blown away. <laughs> no, I, I can mean, see that. Well, once he came down the aisle, and the fact that they called the the third man, or, you know, that third man was like setting up for a few weeks. That I think you and I saw that coming as soon as he as soon as he came down the aisle, because of the fact that Hulk Hogan's popularity was fading. Mm-hmm. I think that, and it's fact that Bobby Heenan kind of blew it before he <laughs> he called it as he was coming down the ring because his his on screen character's dislike for Hogan. Uh, actually led him into that. So I kind of actually blew the the surprise actually uh, for a lot of people out there, but I'm glad that your, your dad uh, got that surprise out of it. I'm just saying for the industry and I understand what the NWO did, the NWO that right, that that led to 83 weeks as Eric Bischoff likes to say of number one for them led to millions in merchandise that's still being sold today on the WWE shop. As far as NWO shirts are there, because they, you know, it's always being recycled. I got to go ahead and get me a new one. But when it comes to what it did for the industry, I really think that the Survivor Series maybe a little bit more because it ultimately gave the WWE an impetus with this McMahon Stone Cold Steve Austin scenario to blow up to the heights that it did and eventually take out WCW. Yeah, I think that it is one of the most it's argument. It's very debatable. Argu- yeah, argumentative. Like you know, we've seen it uh, a million times over the last twenty-five years of who knew what, who was in cahoots with who, what went down backstage. Was who this knew behind the work? scenes? Who knew beforehand? Right. It's it's all of that stuff, and it makes for a great soap opera. Let's just call it that. It makes for a great soap opera, and it makes for a great story. Again, I just think what it's done for the industry. It's been great. Yeah, I I, th- I think that, you know, for a negative, it got turned into a positive for the industry. Yeah. For you, it's close. For me, it's close, too. But I really think for me, it's Survivor Series just because of the fact that 25 years later today, they're still talking about it. And, you know, tomorrow, uh-huh. as they, they're going to be talking about it, Hogan's turn, you know, they talk more about the NWO than Hogan's turn. But you're right, that did lead to so much of a, an effective angle an effective uh, money-making machine as the NWO. So that is no less important in the industry. And it happened for us, you know, what, almost back-to-back in, in, you know, within a, what, a calendar oh, yeah. span. Yeah, a good calendar yeah. span as far as that's concerned. So we were very grateful to be around that time when that happened. So, yeah, I really think that, uh, you know, people are going to be remembering the Survivor Series 1997 for some time to come. And, as it celebrates its 25th anniversary, I'm just glad that Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon are all on speaking terms once again, that they can actually go ahead and have conversations, that Shawn Michaels is a different person. He's actually helping the WWE. He's a major producer role right now, especially when it comes to the NXT. He's actually taken over the responsibilities of NXT. And it's great to see him and Bret Hart at least 
you know, on speaking terms and Vince McMahon, I'm assuming behind the scenes on speaking terms once again. Mm-hmm. Just get ready for the barrage of memories tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And for the, for the love of God, please do not let uh, the Survivor Series or Full Gear, please do not have that kind of ending just to honor it. Just please, I don't want to see that. Kind of <laughs> oh, 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 you you've, you've cursed it. It's yeah, gonna happen now. I bet. Carol. I bet you. I bet you on full gear. My odds would be full gear. MJF, if he wins it, he might win it that way. But I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but my friend, it's great having you on the show. Please go ahead. It's your cheap plug time. The red cheap carpet's open time. to you as always, my friend. But cheap plug. There you go. All right. All right. Go well, ahead. You know what? Shameless. Shameless plug. Shameless shill. Cheap. All right, right shameless friend. plug. Uh, the PVD cast is available wherever you can find great podcasts. It's also available at pvdcast.com. You know, since we're talking it's wrestling. It's a great two, show, everyone. you got to listen to it. I was going to say, two weeks ago, I got the opportunity in September. I took a couple of months to, before I released it, but I got a chance to talk to Al Snow and Rhino. There you go. What this is, is my, this is in lieu of a head. I'm going. <laughs> and also talked to uh, some comic book creators that are working with Al Snow on a comic book. Uh, Al Snow, it's a great episode because Al Snow is just off uh, off the chain, hilarious, and uh, and Rhino kind of was more subtle, more subdued. So it's like a it's like a um, you know an odd couple, if you will. It's like Oscar and Felix, you know, being at a panel discussion, you know. So definitely check that out since you're all loving wrestling and whatnot. But check out every episode. I I would say don't stop just with that one. There's 350 plus in the catalog. Check them out again. PVDcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts. It is a great podcast indeed. Please, Thank you. I highly recommend it. Al Snow right there, not being traumatized by Mick Foley. And then, of course, uh, you've got Rhino right there for you. Tag Team Champion with Heath, bringing back the Heath and Rhino Tag Team right there after all these years. Uh, great to have them as Impact Tag Team Champions once again. So there you go. My friend, again, just truly appreciate all the time you take. Okay listen to me babble about pro wrestling about <laughs> everything that's going on as our pro wrestling guru but next month my friend think about some awards some year ending okay. awards we got to go ahead and devise a plan as only we can do because the state of pro wrestling needs to go ahead and give the best out to everything out there and that might include a triple a that might include a gcw that might include a new japan pro wrestling might include somewhere else that not people are anywhere expecting so Please, okay. I expect you to go ahead and, and you know give me your best of when we hit next month. Are are you, now, are you going to give me the categories or do I come up with my own categories? We are going to get together and come up with okay. our categories together. Okay. Yeah, it should, okay. be, it should be a mutual thing because, you know, we we do this together. So why don't we go ahead and come up with the categories? Together? Okay. We're going to get we're going to give Meltzer a run for his money. There you go. Absolutely. I'd, you know, certainly love his paycheck. That would be awesome. Indeed. But <laughs> once again, it's John Orlando, the PVD cast. Please go ahead and check it out today, wherever you get your great podcasts, including that one right there. But John, great to have you here, my friend. Thank you so much for obviously joining me on the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's the state of pro wrestling for November 2022. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Before we head on out, I did want to mention Andor Episode 10 is a must-watch and an Emmy-worthy performance by Andy Serkis. So hopefully you will check that out on Disney+. Plus. And Black Panther Wakanda Forever opens in theaters this weekend, so we'll share our thoughts on the movie. Plus we also have thoughts on the Gears of War Netflix announcement, blockbuster memories, and a whole lot more this Monday as we delve into The Pop. Culture Cosmos. So for John Orlando, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great